Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Thank you for coming tonight and all those who are tuning in on on a live stream. And um, I'm excited to continue this study. I've learned a lot even, um, like I said, I had been implementing this daily or even sometimes a a few times a day. And I've learned a lot just from our studies so far. I'll ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's kind of where we've been uh, launching out of. That's where we find the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And it's good to be back here, even with just a few of you and the others on live stream. And Lord willing, uh, Wednesday and Sunday, uh, we'll have a, a full house again. And um, mm-hmm. it was a blessing, though, to thank you for having the praise team, Derek, and all the others that were yeah, part of that, you. Ben. Thank you to them for coming. As yeah. Well. Yeah, I appreciate all of you that um, came out. It was nice to have that. And I enjoyed uh, studying God's Word with you this morning. Sorry about the dog bark. I'm sure that was really loud. When my neighbor comes home, Moses doesn't think he has that right. And he always announces when my neighbor comes home. And my neighbor came home, and uh, that's why you heard a loud bark. But Krista said, maybe it woke somebody up. And I thought, well, that's the case. I should bring him here every Sunday. And if I see somebody sleeping, I can just give him a command word or something, and he might do that. But um, I'll turn it over to Tommy. He's going to lead us in this study here in Matthew chapter 6 about give us this day our daily bread. All right, and we're there in Matthew. If you want to go ahead and we'll, we'll do as we've been doing, and we'll, we'll um, recite the Lord's Prayer together, uh, starting there in verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our, our Father, Father, which, which art, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, thank you for joining in with me reading through that. And that is our launching place, and we have been looking there. Um, for these uh, different petitions and so forth and prayers and a pattern for prayer. And uh, this is Jesus's teaching on how we should pray, a, a model prayer as sometimes is called. Uh, and so we're looking over those. Some theologians, we kind of talked about this, I think, when we started it. Some theologians kind of look at the Lord's Prayer and break it up into uh, two groups of three petitions. And so we've looked at the first three. We, we've looked at the first week, Our Father, uh, which art in heaven, then hallowed be the name. That is the first petition. Thy kingdom come would be the second. Thy will be done would be the third. So in a way, if we look at it that way, we're on the fourth petition, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And when we look at it too, those first three petitions really have to do with the kingdom of God. It's all focused on the kingdom, and that's something that Jesus teaches us Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, which this is part of that greater context of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and uh, that we are to do that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Uh, And we're going to look kind of at that area of passage again tonight. 
in, in this thing. And then the last three petitions there uh, have to do with temporal needs that we experience, our daily bread and the need to forgive others, the need for forgiveness, uh, and also for uh, deliverance from temptation and other things in our lives. So those are temporal type of requests. Um, and so tonight we're looking, like I said there, just verse, verse number uh, 11, really. And there are two aspects of it with an overarching theme, okay? <clears throat> the overarching theme that we see in verse number 11 is our dependence on God for everything, complete and total dependence on God. And it kind of breaks down into a physical need that we have, but also greater than that, a spiritual need that we all have in our lives as well. Uh, and so that's really where it is. And we're going to look at it through those two, the physical aspect and the spiritual aspect, realizing that both of those reflect our complete uh, dependence on God and trust for that. So we'll look at the physical aspect first. That's, that's there, uh, right there. Give us this day our daily bread. And of course, the idea there would be the supply of things that we need. And that's what I want to kind of start with and just realizing that when I say need, I really do mean needs. All right. So I'm just going to ask you all to help me tonight. What are some things that we need in life in order to continue existing? Air. Air. <laughs> okay. Water. Bread. Okay, bread or food in general, yeah. Shelter. Shelter, good. Shelter. Okay. Clothing. We could put clothing in there for that as well. So there are some some things that in our lives that are that are needs that we have uh, as well uh, in order for us to uh, you know, continue existing, to survive, to stay alive. Those are things we need. And that's different, first of all. We want to recognize the difference between that and God. God is all-sufficient. God is self-sufficient. There is nothing that he needs in order to continue existing. Okay? And we'll look at it a little bit later. There's also no one that brought God into existence either. Okay? So it's a completely different thing. And, and by, by acknowledging that we are completely dependent on God for our physical needs, we're, we're actually making a very important statement uh, by asking this petition of give us our daily bread. And so that's a very important thing to begin with and understand there's a vast difference between us and God, of course, uh, in this prayer. But it's kind of based on this, and we'll go there. I'll ask you to turn with me, uh, and I'll have Pastor Jason read Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. I'll have Pastor Jason read those two verses to us as you're turning there. All right. There's a lot of wisdom in these verses. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Good, and so we see here um, three things actually in Proverbs that we also find in the Lord's Prayer. And that very first phrase, which we won't talk about tonight, we'll leave it for the next time, Lord willing, remove from me vanity and lies. In other words, keep me from temptation. You know, but then the, the rest of verse 8 and then on into verse 9 talks about this. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Literally, the writer of Proverbs here is saying, give me my daily bread and supply me with the needs that I have today in order to continue existing. Uh, and the reason here that, that he prays this is actually given to us in verse number 9 as well. So look there again and we'll see that. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? All right, so that first part there, verse 9. Then this is not always the case, and I want to say that first. 
But a lot of times when we see individuals that are in great abundance of things, often what comes with that is no dependence on God or no recognition of God at all. And that's not always the case. People can certainly be blessed with material wealth uh, and still have a proper respect for God, be a good Christian, as we would say, and, 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 and do all those things. But often it does not come that way. Many times people get into that situation uh, and they forget God completely. They don't live that way uh, at all. And so it's tempting to live as though you are the one that is sufficient for all your needs uh, when that abundance happens and that you have no need of God at all. And that's what he says, don't, don't give me too much because then I'll, I'll be tempted to say that. And the second part of verse 9 has the opposite. If I'm poor, I might be tempted to steal and then I'm going to be taking the name of God in vain. And what he means by that there is that my actions... If I had too little, my actions might demonstrate to others that I don't really believe God can supply my need. And that would be the way that he'd be taking God's name in vain at that point. To say, well, God can supply my needs, but then that temptation to steal or that temptation to do something wrong in order to supply your own physical need uh, would be there. And then you would be, again, profaning God through those actions. And so that's really what he's saying in this verse here. Give me my daily bread, Lord, I pray. And the reason is so I don't have abundance and forget who you are and act like you don't exist. And so I don't have so little that I take your name in vain as well. And, and it's related to, I think, the larger context of the Sermon on the Mount as well. And so, you know, I'll just ask you to go back over there again, Matthew chapter 6, where we were earlier, uh, and, and realize that uh, there, in, the, in the larger context, again, that we see uh, uh, what our focus is supposed to be where our attention is supposed to be uh, uh, given uh, in this as well. So I'll have Pastor Jason read that. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 29. Right, verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Good. And so Jesus is giving us here, you know, not, not to worry or be anxious about the physical needs uh, that we have. And again, we are talking about the, the needs. It's one thing when I was uh, teaching, we used to teach senior economics. And that was a big thing that we always taught in that class was, what's the difference between something that you need and something that you want, okay? Uh, you may uh, need a car, you may want the really fancy one, right? I mean, you may need to travel somewhere. So what you actually need and what you want may be two different things. And so that's what we're talking about again, keeping the focus on our needs. And Jesus says here, don't, don't be anxious about those things. Don't worry about that. And then, and then Jesus gives two examples of, of things in creation that, that don't do the same thing that we do as humans, and yet God provides all of their needs. The birds is the first one, of course. You know, the birds are out there, and they're, they're gathering food. They're eating. Uh, I was reminded yesterday, or no, it was Friday, excuse me. Friday I was reminded of uh, an old... Uh, thing that I heard about birds that whenever it's about to snow or be bad weather they're always on the ground. I looked out my window 
Friday afternoon, and there were robins all over the ground uh, right there outside the window. So I said, hey, you know what, there must be something to that because they were getting ready, I guess, for the ice and the, and the snow that came in later Friday evening. Uh, but, but they didn't work for the food that's there. They didn't plant the food that they eat, the birds. They go out and gather what's there that God has provided for them, okay? And then we also have the flowers, you know, and, and they don't, uh, the, the example is spin or toil, which is, you know, again, making clothing uh, literally from string or starting from cotton fabric and literally making your own clothes. Uh, they don't do that either, but they have a much finer appearance than Solomon in all of his glory that he had as a king. And of course, he's one of the wealthiest uh, kings ever in history. So the idea there is that these, these things are provided because God knows you have a need of them. Jesus knows your needs and he has a need for those. And we're instructed to pray for those needs, uh, even though we see that God already knows we have those needs. In Matthew 6, 32, if you, if you look down there, uh, we're told why we're not supposed to be anxious. For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. So then a question comes up, right? Why are we instructed in the Lord's Prayer, in the model prayer, to pray for our daily needs if God already knows what our needs are? And I think that's what circles back to that dependence and the humility and recognizing our dependence on God, but also goes back to some things that Pastor Jason has mentioned and shared as part of this study as well, is that prayer, one of the objects of prayer is to align our will with God's will and, and align our heart with God's heart. Hmm. You know, so the things that we're praying for are not selfish, but are in fact what God wants us to pray for. Uh, and so by praying that God would supply our daily needs, we're actually kept from those temptations uh, especially the temptation to focus on those things alone. Um, an individual that focuses their whole life on gaining as much physical pleasures and physical uh, goods that this world can offer uh, is in a real dangerous place of missing out on the eternal. I think we won't take time to, to do this, but I think if you sat for a minute and thought of an individual, you might be able to think of someone that you've known in your life whose entire life was focused on their money and their job and getting more stuff. And maybe you've seen how miserable that life may have turned out. And they may have uh, missed out on salvation, or they may be someone that you're still witnessing to, they're not saved. And so the pursuit of physical things can really distract people from the eternal. Um, and even a Christian, even a Christian who's not careful uh, they're not going to lose their salvation. They're not going to miss out on eternal security and a reward in heaven, but they're going to miss out on the blessings that God has for being a true follower of Christ now and to be fully committed to Christ in this life and the blessings that come with that. So there's a lot of, of, of blessings that are not material blessings that really God gives us. Freedom. Right. That's such bondage to, to mm -hmm. be always trying to grab what is mine and make sure I get what's mine. Right. And um, the freedom is described in verse 33 there, you know, seek first the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and all these things will be added to you. He right. knows, we read it in 32, he knows the needs that you have. And um, I think this kind of correlates back to the verse in Proverbs 30 and why 
we're taught there to pray, like we're taught here in verse 11 to pray, give us my daily bread. Give, give me, please, Lord, meet my needs. You already knowing that you're going to, you've promised mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. right here. You know about them. But um, it just keeps us in the right mental state and the, the pursuit of the right things, uh, things that God wants us to seek and mm-hmm. long after. And um, I think it was A.W. Tozer, you know, he said, if, if our main pursuit in life is anything but to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're never going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's so simple. But if, if that's my desire is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there can be nothing, not right. a single thing that takes precedence over that as far as what I'm, I'm pursuing. And so even in this one little phrase here that seems like, well, I'm just praying that God gives me everything I need. There, there's a lot to unpack. And mm-hmm. you've already highlighted quite a bit of that. Yeah. It is related, though, to, to Jesus' teaching as well. Again, another place in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, uh, as well. Um, will you read that yeah. section too, Pastor? It says, lay, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. All right, good. So, and, and on through there, Jesus really is teaching, hey, you can't, you can't serve both. You can't have, you know, your focus on uh, money and on God. It has to be one or the other there. Uh, and this is important to understand the eternal aspect of, of, of people, okay? Um, everybody who's alive right now, everybody who was alive before, they're all going to live somewhere forever, yeah. Okay. We're, that's, that's the reality of it. We're all going to live somewhere forever. And so, again, the distraction, the pursuit of, of material things only will distract us from the more permanent, the, the eternal things, and keep us from uh, doing that. But, again, it helps us to recognize uh, our dependence on God completely for the things we need. And here's, here's what happens then. We're sustained in our physical life through the food we take in, the shelter, the, all the things that we need. We're sustained in our physical needs and so that we can hallow God's name and pray for his kingdom to come and, and do his will on earth as, as the first uh, three petitions we've already done. So as God sustains us, we're able to go uh, and, and do that as well. Uh, and, and I think uh, that kind of brings... I kept thinking, I don't know where to put this exactly, but I, the whole time that I was doing this study, I kept thinking about that old Southern gospel song, and I know that people in here know it, all right? And it goes like this. I can't even walk, what, without, without you holding my hand. Y'all know that song? It's a good song. But I think that, that really illustrates the dependence that we have on God. Why We have the strength and ability to do the things that we can do and the nation being founded and all that, the independence, because God gave us the strength and ability to do it. You see, and like none of us in here can will ourselves to continue living. You know, and that goes back again to God is all sufficient and needs no one or no thing to continue existing. He's the source of everything. And I mean, even when we pray that, when I'm saying Lord, give me today everything I need, mm-hmm. or give me this day our daily bread. Just by saying that, mm-hmm. I'm saying 
whether I have a kitchen full of food mm-hmm. or not, if I have it there, wh- where did I get it? Ultimately, I mean, yeah, I went to Food Lion mm-hmm. and they gave it to me because I gave them money, right? Because y'all paid me, right? But ultimately, it came from from God, right? And so when we're saying that, we we are proclaiming in praise, mm-hmm. you are the source of everything, right? And right. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis said, if if we aim at heaven, we get earth thrown in. Mm-hmm. But if we if you aim at earth, you get neither. Right. You don't get either of them. And so, I mean, I think that basically we're even saying that when we're saying mm-hmm. this prayer, this phrase. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, too, this does bring up one other question that we can kind of talk about here real quick before we move to the spiritual aspect. And, and that is, if God knows what our physical needs are, then, then why do we work? Is work bad? Is work part of the curse? Do we have to do that because of the curse? You know, in other words, you know, was Adam and Eve, were they just sitting around doing nothing until they sinned? Well, let's go to Genesis real quick and see if we can answer that question. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Because we're instructed to pray for needs even though God knows we have them. And if God knows we have them, then why, why are we working or why are we doing work for them? And uh, Pastor Jason, if you'll read Genesis 2, 7, 8, and 9, and then skip over to verse 15. All right, Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree. Uh, A very important thing. Genesis chapter 2 is going back through a little bit more detail of God creating uh, uh, the, everything, and then also telling us that God formed Adam and then made a garden, put Adam in the garden, and the job is there, dress and keep it. Sometimes we go over top of that. Dress and keep it means literally to cultivate and to protect it. And some of you may have a modern English translation that may even use that word or both of those words, to protect and keep it, to cultivate and keep it. And of course, cultivate's a word that we're all very familiar with because we have the idea of the fertilizer, the seeds, the water, and all the things. I mean, we live in an agricultural community, so we're all very familiar with the idea of cultivating the land so that it produces what you want. And there's work that goes into that, okay? So before sin entered in chapter 3, Adam had a job. He had two jobs, actually. He was to cultivate the garden, and he was to uh, protect it. You could throw in, I guess, maybe that he named the animals. I mean, we're told that, too, that he that God brought all the animals before him and he named them all. So he had some jobs, and that was before the fall. Let's jump over to Genesis 3, 17 through 19, and I'll have Pastor Justin read that to kind of finish the question. Verse 17, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is a ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So what we see from these verses is that what actually is part of the curse is that work is going to be hard and difficult, and even the ground itself would become somewhat resistant to it. In other words, you have to go out and pull weeds out of your garden. 
<laughs> if you want the right things to grow in their place, okay, uh, and other things, and why we have pain after work and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it, why our bodies age and so forth. That is the curse. So the work itself is not. And so uh, to answer the, the greater question, why do we work, why do we do that, God has given work actually uh, as part of his creation when he said it is good. Hmm. And it was part of the original plan for there to be work, as well as we're told in other places. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 6 real quick, just to kind of wrap this up, and then we'll move into the spiritual aspect. We're, we're told that work is good, the work is honorable. Adam had these jobs before sin entered the world. And even after sin, here in Proverbs chapter 6, we're told this uh, very important thing, verses 6 through 8 of chapter 6. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Good. And so that, that's, a, that's a really good, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I just I had a memory come flooding back. My brother-in-law, he works from home. He's got an office there at his house. He designs websites. And uh, he was having kind of hard time long days. And my sister asked my nephews, uh, one's like 14, one's seven. She's like, your dad needs some encouragement. Find a Bible verse to encourage him. And I think he just Googled <laughs> Bible verses about work. And he had this one. So he put that up on the door, printed up, <laughs> go to the handout slugger, consider it ways. I don't know if it was real encouraging to my brother-in-law, but... <laughs> That's All right, funny. sorry. No, that's okay. That's <laughs> I had good. Had to get that out. That's so you funny. didn't know why I was laughing at you. <laughs> that's good. It's a good reminder. But yeah, I don't know how encouraging it is <laughs> at certain times. Yeah. So, uh, but no, we're told here in the scriptures later on that that work is a good thing, and that we are to take examples from from this. And and there's other places in Proverbs and in the Bible as well that that tell us that. So so work is not bad. Doing work is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and praying for our needs is not bad. What it is is if we don't recognize our dependence on God, complete and total dependence on God, and if we get it out of whack where we're pursuing uh, physical needs stronger uh, or more consistently than we are spiritual needs, that's where it kind of becomes a problem. And, and I'd say a lot like we've seen already mm-hmm. in, in all these different phrases we've studied, I cannot pray uh, with any kind of sincerity or being genuine to God. God, give me today everything I need if I'm not going out there doing what he's asked me to do to mm-hmm. supply those needs, like working. Right. Just like I couldn't pray, your kingdom come, mm-hmm. um, your will be done on earth. I can't sit there and pray, God, I want your will to be done if I'm not doing it myself right. in my own life. Or I can't right. pray, God, hallowed be thy name if I'm not hallowing your name or setting mm-hmm. apart as unique and holy and yeah. things in my own life. So same thing mm-hmm. here, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right, which comes from the book of Thessalonians, actually. Mm-hmm. Second, second Thessalonians, I don't remember the second Thessalonians, mm-hmm. but yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that was kind of their problem. They, yeah. all, they, they were looking, you know, Jesus was coming back and so focused on his return that they all went up to the top of a mountain and kind of were like, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, quit their jobs and were dependent mm-hmm. on other people. And um, I mean, that's not God's idea here either. Right. We're ultimately, we're dependent on him, but he's, he's given us instructions and commands to... Right. To, um, He's given us means that are still to be able alignment. to go. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, right. And that's and that's kind of where we move into the spiritual aspect because both both the physical needs and the spiritual needs are given to us by God. Hmm. Praying the prayer gives us and shows us that. Remembering again that that it's even from God that we have the strength to do the work for that day. That we get out of bed in the morning. That we have our next breath, our next heartbeat, so to speak. All of that is from hmm. God. 
uh, ultimately who supplies those things to us, who created the world to do those things. Uh, and so the spiritual aspect, and I thought about this a little bit um, further this afternoon, but uh, in a way our physical needs are what kind of goes into our stomach, so to speak, our belly, okay? Uh, this may be an oversimplification, but our spiritual needs, our spiritual health is a lot dependent upon what goes into our minds, and, how, and what we take in through that way, just as our physical health has a lot to do with what we take into our bodies. Um, and so we're going to kind of look at that as well. Again, taking the same cue, give us this day our daily bread. This time we're going to go to the, to the book of Job, and we're thinking about our spiritual needs here. And what, what does Job say about uh, this? So Job 23, verse number 12. Of course, Job going through great trial and testing and defending himself to his um, so-called friends that came to sit around with him, um, he has this to say about how he has considered God's word. Job 23, 12. It says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Good. And so, so Job here is saying in the midst of all of his trials and he's defending himself to one of his friends in this particular portion of the scripture... And he's saying, uh, I, I have done what God has required of me. I've even said that God's words were more important to me in my life than actual physical food. That's what he's actually saying. Uh, and, I, and I've lived my life understanding that God's words are even more important to me than actual physical food. And that is the beginning of the spiritual aspect of give us this day our daily bread, recognizing that God's words and what he says in his words, what he says to us, is an extremely necessary thing for it. It's it has really an eternal weight. Principle behind fasting and, mm -hmm. and why that's a, something that can be a blessing to us, you know, a way to actually live this out and um, mm -hmm. and show God and tell God that that we're ultimately we're dependent on Him right. and, and His Word. Right. Let's go to Psalm 19, um, and we're going to get uh, this this uh, Psalm gives us a little bit more insight into how. Uh, God's word is considered. Uh, David writing this psalm here, and, and we're going to read verses 7 through 11 uh, of here. Pastor Jason, I'll ask him to do that. All right, Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord. They're true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Or one more verse. Oh, sorry. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. I got stuck on the honey. That's okay. I like honey too. It's good yeah. stuff. Um, this, this is, this is a, a very important part of Scripture, and it, and it goes again to showing the importance of God's Word here. Uh, in this little portion of the psalm. And when I read this portion of the psalm, I always think about John and Jean Lee because they sing scripture. If you've ever been to their house and visit them, they sing scripture verses. And it's really neat. This is, this is actually a scripture verse that I knew before I, before I met. I don't know if you, if you know this or not, um, this little song, but you use verse 7, 8, and 9 as the verses, and then verse 10 as the chorus. Um, do you all have a King James Bible? We won't take if you do. I mean, if you don't, there's one in front of you. Okay. It only works with this 
<laughs> version of Scripture, sorry. Uh, but anyway, it goes like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Then verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And you go through and sing that, and it's a good song. I don't know, maybe we'll have to learn it sometime. But it's, it's singing the scripture there. But it's very important because all through these verses, we see the importance of it. The law of the Lord converts the soul. The testimony makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord. All these words are words for God's word. I mean, these are, these are things that describe God's word. Hmm. You know, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. Uh, that the fear of the Lord endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. And then on top of that, it's more than food. It's more than physical food to a person who uses it. And there's great reward, verse 11, in keeping the commandments of the Lord and keeping all of God's word. And so that's a very important thing for us to understand. You know, and, and I do like honey. Uh, and there's been times that's not been very recent lately, but we've had the honey and it's got the honeycomb in it. Anybody buy honey like that, by the way, with the comb in it? Do you eat the comb? Good, good. That is so awesome because I've done that before, not recently, but, but I have. It's really good, isn't it? Does anybody else do that? Anybody? We're not weird for doing that, by the way. Oh, this genie does. Good, okay. <laughs> We're not weird. For, okay, well, we might be a little bit weird. But it's good for you. I looked it up. I looked it up. It's really actually very good for you to do that. But uh, it's good. It's good. I enjoy, I enjoy honey. I enjoy honeycomb. Um, but, but here's something that's even more than that, and that is God's word. Yeah. God's word. Uh, and, and like we said before, not every, not every reward, not every blessing that we get is necessarily going to be a physical reward per se. Um, but there are those spiritual rewards and health for putting God's word into your mind in the way and with the same, you know, intent and fervency that you put food into your body. I mean, all of us had a meal today at least, right? At least one meal, right? Um, I had breakfast and, and lunch. We had San Jose. We went today's Andrew's birthday. So we, we, we did the San Jose. We brought it home. We, we got it carried out. But, but we, had, we had Mexican today for his birthday. And, and, and so we, we, all of us have had a meal today. Uh, and, and we don't miss those very often. So in the same way, Let's not miss our time here in God's Word either. Let's, let's move into the New Testament now. We've seen some Old Testament passages that relate God's Word to the importance of food. Let's see here uh, some important passages in the New Testament. John, we're going to finish up here this evening in the Gospel of John. So if you'll just, uh, I'll turn there to John chapter 4 first. And I'll have Pastor Jason read verses 32 and 34. This is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. John 4, 32 says, But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Good. So uh, earlier on in chapter 4, um, Jesus uh, sits down by the well. And the disciples go into the town to buy meat. So the disciples are very fixated, of course, on the actual food that they need uh, uh, to eat for that day. 
uh, and Jesus says, I've got meat, and they're still confused, you know, what's he talking about? But Jesus here relates that one aspect of our spiritual food is doing God's will. You know, Jesus' meat at that moment was talking to the woman at the well, sharing with her about who he is, the salvation, the forgiveness that he offers. Uh, and after she had gone away into the village, the disciples return, uh, and, and he's like, this is my meat. I have my meat. I'm doing God's will. I'm obeying the commands that I've been given here. And so that, it shows that God's commandments to us, really, and following them are part of our spiritual food. Uh, and so when we hear God's words, it's also important for us to obey God's words as we're, as we're going through and we're reading and the Holy Spirit convicts us of something. We're taking that word in and we're being taught something and being shown something because prayer really should be a two-way conversation, you know, just like another conversation. When I'm talking to somebody, you know, it's polite and proper for me to listen so that I can respond and turn again with the next thing, rather than, have you ever met somebody who just talks and waits for their turn to talk? Don't raise your hand or elbow your husband or wife. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's a, that's a good phrase, but like, okay, so we say, well, prayer is a two-way conversation. Well, how? It should be. Mm-hmm. You're, you're 100% right. But like, how do we experience that? So obviously, one side would be us talking to God, mm-hmm. that'd be prayer. But how does he talk to, it's very important that we learn this so we can make sure that we are hearing from God mm-hmm. and not other sources. But how would it be a two-way conversation? Well, we learn through the scriptures. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how God speaks to us. Um, he can lead us and guide us with um, closed doors or mm-hmm. open doors and opportunities like that. But yeah. God has chosen to speak to us in, in his word. This is mm-hmm. his communication to us. Right. And um, so if we're going to actually experience that and, and live in that prayer as a two-way conversation, mm-hmm. when we pray, we should not separate that from, from having the word. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. If you're driving in the car, yeah, I'm not saying flip open your Bible while you're driving down the road. But at the same time, the ideal to have it really be a two-way conversation would be to at least meditate on God's word or the truth mm-hmm. of it. Um, uh, otherwise, it's not really a two-way conversation. I just think it's really important that if, if we believe that, and I think mm-hmm. it's true, that yeah. we, we understand we also have to listen to mm-hmm. God. Right. And this is where he speaks. He, he doesn't speak uh, audibly um, to us. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. Um, this is how he speaks to us. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we, I, I really appreciate about the, if you've ever read Experiencing God or, or done the study there, that's, that's one of the big things that he talks about in there, is the Holy Spirit takes the words mm-hmm. of the Bible and, and, and teaches us through that and speaks to us in that way. And that the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us to do something that's contradictory to the mm. scriptures. So there's, there's ways that you know, okay, this is God using the word of God to guide and direct me this day. Uh, and, and that's important, you know, um, because a lot of times, you know, God is, God is at work and he is doing things around us. And whether we're being attentive to that, the disciples were intent on their uh, physical food. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, the meat for Jesus that day was to do his Father's will and share about the truth of salvation that he came to offer and forgiveness. Uh, and so um, that may be that as we have that conversation with God, as we're meditating on Scripture through the day, that perhaps when you're in line at the grocery store, something just sparks and you 
you have an opportunity to share with your cashier that day about Christ. Or you have an opportunity to say something to the person at the drive-thru or the waiter or the, your, you know, whatever, uh, as you're going through your daily life. But that comes from meditating on God's Word, listening to the Spirit, use God's Word to speak to you in that. Jesus taught us also that He's the bread of life. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 35. Okay. It says, And Jesus said unto them, I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And so we see there, uh, again, Jesus is trying with this group of people that have followed him to relate the necessity and importance of spiritual food and eternal things to a group of people who basically just want more food. You know, they've come across, they've followed him, and what they want is another miracle. Earlier in John chapter 6 is the feeding of the 5,000 uh, recorded in John's gospel. And so anyway, uh, uh, that's what he's trying to get them to understand uh, and talk about that. He's saying, you know, this, this, this spiritual food is what we need, is what is the more important need, actually, than the physical food. And that Jesus, being the bread of life, being the, the, the water of life, he is the one that supplies that food to us. He's the one that supplies those spiritual needs to us to sustain and nourish us spiritually as well. We won't read it tonight, but it's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15 when he was saying, I am the vine and ye are the branches. The entire health and life of the branches comes from the vine, which is connected to, which, which the branches are connected to. If the branch is pulled apart from the vine, there is no life in it at all. And it's the same way with us spiritually as well. So uh, Jesus here is the bread of life. Read, it, read John 6, 32, please, for us. This is, uh, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Okay, and there again, there, the people ask him about Moses. Well, he gave us manna, you know, still thinking about that physical need. What are you going to give us, Jesus, that's going to be like that? And Jesus said, no, no, Moses didn't give you that. It was from heaven. And what it was was to sustain you to go through. In the same way, Jesus Christ, being the bread of life, is what God has given to sustain us in our spiritual lives to go through uh, and do the, the petitions, the first petitions as well spiritually. Hallow God's name and, and pray for his kingdom to come and do his will. Um, Jesus related that in verses 49 to 51. Can you read those verses as well? It says, Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so Jesus is here relating this again to his own sacrifice and death in which, his, which he would uh, accomplish on the cross. You know, he says, hey, look, they got that manna, but they're not alive anymore. They're dead. But I am the manna, I am the bread, I am the true bread, the living bread that is going to give you eternal life forever and ever. And so we have that access to this spiritual food through prayer. Through prayer, through God's word, uh, the living word of God, Jesus Christ. He's that manna from heaven. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. You know, and it's actually something that was given to the, as a promise to the church of Pergamos, the persecuted church there. They were told that one of their rewards for overcoming was that God was going to give them the hidden manna. Hmm. Again there, Jesus was going to sustain them through their trial. 
Jesus is going to sustain them spiritually and physically through the hardship they were going through if they would overcome and not uh, shrink back from following him. And so that's in the same way here with this. We, we are dependent on God completely for our spiritual nourishment every day. The things that we need to grow in Christ, the things that we need to uh, uh, mature in our Christian faith and grow up as, you know, it was talk about this morning in our sermon, you know, uh, uh, maturing all and the, growing in Christ. Really all the means of grace. I mean, mm-hmm. he's given them to us, whether that's prayer or Bible reading or fellowshipping together, assembling together as his church and encouraging each other, holding each other accountable, um, service, a baptism, the Lord's <laughs> Supper. All of these are means of grace that he gives us spiritual nourishment right. from. And uh, we're dependent on him. We, mm-hmm. we didn't come up with those. Right. He, he gave them to us. We're totally reliant on him, totally dependent on him. So I think this kind of, I hope it kind of answers Mike's question earlier about like, we're, we're, you know, we celebrate independence. And yet at the same time, God continuously in his word calls us to be dependent on him. And I think it's really the, the root or like the ultimate part is we're dependent on him. But uh, Philippians 2, if you can go there, and I hope this came to mind as I was studying this passage with Tommy, but uh, I think it kind of might help answer Mike's question, like, do those go against each other? I don't think they do. Um, In Philippians 2, uh, verse 12 and 13, here is such a perfect example. There's other ones in Scripture, but this is such a perfect little passage that shows us the free will of man that God has given us, but at the same time, the sovereignty uh, of God. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, uh, Paul tells that church, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, what does he tell him to do? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he doesn't say work for he says, work out, <laughs> all right? Mm-hmm. So um, you should be doing God's will as a result of you being saved. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But notice the next verse. For it is God. It's, you're supposed to work out your salvation, but who is really working it out? It is God who works in you, both the will, to even have the desire to do it in the first place, but also to do. So anything you do um, that's good mm-hmm. is of God. Right. And even the will for you to do it is so against your fallen human nature, even as a redeemed person um, who has a new nature. This is God. Now, you still have a responsibility, verse 12, where to work out. All right. So, um, but ultimately, who are we dependent on? Verse 13. Uh, it is God who, who both works in you to will, to actually want to do it in the first place, mm-hmm. as long as we access his means of grace, right. and then to actually do it. Right. It's good. And that's what it really is. That's what it really comes down to, I guess. Recognizing our dependence and, and, and praying for those needs uh, and realizing the importance of physical needs, spiritual needs together, praying, recognizing God, and, and, and aligning our will and our heart uh, with his. Mm. So. Our daily bread. Mm-hmm. And see, yeah, I, this, this is one, like, when I'm praying this, it's um, typically I, I change it up. Like, I use this. I'm, I'm using this to keep me on track. But I would be like... Lord, I ask you today to give me everything I need. And I'll tell him, I said, I, I know you've promised to do it. So I'm just, another thing I'm asking you to do is make me aware. Like, help me not just like think, oh, yeah, I did this. Or even when I have a desire to have something, help me remember who this comes from. And um, that, that you are the ultimate source of everything I have. It, it mm-hmm. gives me great faith to know uh, if I'm starting to worry about, will I have enough for this or this or this? Mm-hmm. You've already promised it. And so I'm right. praying. I'm asking you to align my will with yours, God. Right. Any other 
question. It's just, it hit me. Like, I mean, I say it so rotely, and I mentioned this earlier, but like when I say, give me this day my daily bread, I'm, I'm admitting <laughs> that I, you are the source of everything. Mm-hmm. I, everything I have is from you. I don't, I can do nothing without you. As Jesus said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. So, so true. All right. Will you close us in prayer? Let's pray.